Welcome to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. We interview great guests who inspire you to overcome obstacles and achieve your goals. Be sure you visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, just relax as you listen. You can do something else, but be ready to make an important note. And let's get started. The title of this interview is Becoming a Warrior Mystic in a Time of Chaos. We'll we'll be talking about men's self-development, archetypes and self-development, shutting out distractions and focusing on our true purpose, facing our fears, and forging the future we want. And our guest is Angel Millar, a fellow New Yorker. I'm in Brooklyn, he's in Queens. So we got Long Island covered. And he's a very interesting person. Angel Millar is the author of The Path of the Warrior Mystic, Being a Man in an Age of Chaos, and The Three Stages of Initiatic Spirituality, Craftsman, Warrior, Magician, both published by Inner Traditions. He is also a longtime practitioner of martial arts. I'm a practitioner of Jeet Kune Do, by the way, but I'm a little off these days. I got to get back into it. But I love martial arts where it's at. And also inner alchemy meditation. I want to hear about that. As a self-development author, he has explored the archetypal symbolism and myths in many of the world's cultural cultures, rather, especially in regard to how they help us navigate a world that is increasingly dogmatic. Boy, is that ever applicable? And can help us to develop individually as whole people. Besides his latest, his latest book, Exploring Self-Development for, his, for Men, his major contribution has been to focus on three archetypes of the craftsman, warrior, and magician, believed by phylogists and historians to be the three earliest functions that structured tribal societies. In regard to his work as a hypnotist, certified by the National Guild of Hypnotists, he focuses on self-development, which is where I'm at, that's, that's my language right there. As part of the sessions, he often refers to world spiritual traditions or archetypes, which are explored in his books. On occasion, he also uses guided visualizations using these archetypes, as well as some inner energy techniques to help those who are looking to progress spiritually. Ladies and gentlemen and others, I present to you Angel Millar. Welcome, Angel. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's good to be here. I really appreciate you joining me. Uh, this will be posted much later, but it's Sunday morning, relatively early, and uh, I usually don't do a, an interview this morning, but it's great. It's, it's a great way to start a Sunday, so I really yeah. thank you for joining me. Thank I you. Love- I love what you're about, man. That's some really interesting, great stuff. And it sounds, it's, you know, you, you really go into the the older traditions and studies and, and make it modern or accessible yeah. to the modern people. I'm studying Stoicism right now. I'm studying the book right. Meditations. And yeah. those ancient philosophers, they, they, they were right on, man. They were right on. So yeah. great stuff. So let me ask my first question. Why did you write, the path of the warrior mystic being a man in an age of chaos and what need did you see for it yeah yeah well a few different reasons uh, and one is it's 
in a sense, a kind of follow-up to uh, the three stages of initiatic spirituality. But um, really, uh, you know, just what I see going on in society and, um, you know, over the last five years in particular, I've been able to go around and give talks around the U.S., everywhere from you know, Texas to L.A. to New York, of course, um, to uh, smaller states like New England as well. And, um, you know, whenever I speak to uh, men, uh, uh, really, you know, from 20s all the way through to uh, late 50s, um, almost without exception, they tell me they had a horrible uh, childhood. Father was either totally out of their life, yeah, or an alcoholic or abusive or just emotionally unattached. And they had no sort of initiation into manhood whatsoever. And, you know, it wasn't entirely different for me either. And, um, you know, it's very rare for me to come across a man who says, yeah, I had a great father who really initiated me into manhood, taught me what I, you know, the, the sort of foundation of what I need to know. Uh, very, very rare. And, um, you know, that's obviously one problem in itself. But, of course, today our society, uh, it seems to me, and I, I don't think I'm alone in this, uh, loves to blame uh, men for all of the ills of society, everything that goes wrong is somehow the fault of a man somewhere. And, um, you know, it's always we, we seem to be in the age of no personal responsibility. I think personal That's, I've yeah, never definitely. seen personal responsibility so forsaken as, as today. Yeah, yeah. And uh, even worse than that, in a sense, is the idea that if you believe in personal responsibility, you're in a, <clears throat> in a sense an oppressor because not everybody can get out of their circumstances. Uh, so, you know, therefore it's not fair because someone somewhere would not be able to rise up through their own esteem. Um, you know, so yeah, we live in a peculiar age where, uh, you know, men have a very bad start in life generally, but they're blamed for everything that goes wrong and no one um, yeah, and there's no sense that we should take personal accountability for our actions or yes, to encourage but, but, to take them. Uh, particularly an anti-masculinity yeah. uh, theme or, or movement is, seems to be having more and more steam. Well, you know, I see, I see yeah. more conflict now. People are saying, whoa, wait, whoa, you know, men aren't, aren't all bad. People right. are both bad and good, everyone, men, mm -hmm. and, men and women. But yeah. there is a distinct anti-masculine movement and propaganda and cultural, yeah. uh, you know, mala morass that's going on about you know, it's incredible, man. How you know? Wow, we're bad. I'm I'm bad. I didn't I didn't know I realize I was this bad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, no sense of uh, you know the men have suffered throughout history as well and you know i'm lucky i've never been to war or anything but i think my statistics are pretty much right but uh, during the world war one um during the i think it was the battle of the somme on day one uh, 20, men on the british side were killed that's day one so you know i mean when you know men historically you know had some advantages but they've also had to be you know forced to go to war and yeah, absolutely. experience carnage so it's not it's not a zero-sum game you know, i'm an, I'm an ex-paratrooper i'm an ex-paratrooper so i really sympathize with military yeah. men and, and, and old service women as well but yeah. uh certainly men you can blame them for certain ills and problems but the fact is men have done most of the dying and suffering yeah. in jobs 
and mm-hmm. war obviously war the worst people suffer the war. people suffer most in war are, are civilians but yeah, as, aside from that in terms of doing the fighting men men mm-hmm. do almost the exclusive dying and suffering yeah yeah that's right yeah so you know i really wanted to um really look at the sort of initiatic path into into manhood and uh, you know looking at some of the problems that we face today which are all many of them are very strange and unique to our time but i would say you know uh, unlike uh you know the sort of quote-unquote men's movement or uh, a lot of sort of men's gurus are out there you know yes it's for men and it's all sort of like yeah we're going to go to the woods with our pen knife and we're going to hunt squirrels and eat them and, and wear you know fur or something like that and get back to being uh you know cavemen or something okay are you making a distinction between all that and what you do yeah yeah and and i would say that you know working out being strong experiencing nature these are all good things but from what i have seen and i'm not an expert in the men's movement there tends to be a little bit of a kind of cliche that we're sort of you know manly men uh, we're sort of like bears or something but, uh, but, you know, I look back to more uh, classical models that you can really find in every civilization. Uh, I don't want to ditch civilization uh, and go back to the woods. Uh, but when you look at classical civilizations, there's always this, um, this union of the sort of feminine and the masculine in the sort of highest uh, type of warrior. So, you know, the samurai. Uh, there's many things that would be regarded as feminine in the samurai today. But... You know, look at Miyamoto Masashi, the greatest samurai of his time, probably even still. You know, he he not only was a great warrior, but he also wrote calligraphy, uh, painting. He's renowned for his painting in Japan. He was also renowned for landscape gardening during his day as well. Or, you know, in the West, you have someone like Egil Skallagrimson, an extremely violent, probably psychopathic individual, uh, extremely violent and feared, but at the same time, he was revolutionary in poetry and introduced end rhyme that's the first person to use end rhyme in norse poetry and you can find this you know in other cultures and in other times as well but there's always this fusion of the hard and the soft the my warrior school, arts and my school my jeet kundo school yeah its emblem indeed my sifu my martial arts instructor always teaches and professes yin yang Yin and right. yang, the soft and the hardware. That, that's that's right. the core of what we learn and what we do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I studied uh, Kung Fu as well, which Jeet Kune Do is very closely related to, if Certainly. not regarded as Kung Fu. And, and, you know, and there as well, we practice, you know, sparring with no pads, you get injured, but at the same time, uh, practicing meditation and also being encouraged to have a little bit of a appreciation for Chinese culture and culture more generally as well. So, yeah, in the martial arts, sometimes you still find that in, in good schools, I would say. I it's really admire, classical. I really admire Chinese culture, except yeah. for the, the seemingly indifference to the suffering of animals. I do right. not like that. I do not <laughs> no, like that no. at all. Well, other than that, yeah. they're very admirable, their culture. The, the, whole, yeah. the whole Orient, the Orient. You know, mm-hmm. uh, very admirable, you know, but of course it can go awry, like in World War II, sure. Japan. Boy, did it yeah. ever go awry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't think people quite realize how bad it was. But, oh, my uh, God. Yeah, they were, they were worse than the Nazis. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So great stuff, man. So um, let's take a, a moment to hear from our sponsor and we'll come right back and continue our conversation. All right, Angel? 
This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Proficio. Do you like learning by yourself or with others? What if you could do both at the same time? Visit www.proficio.io. That's proficio.io, where you can learn in the environment that suits you as you choose. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza. We're talking with Angel Millar. We're talking about archetypes. We're talking about men, talking about masculinity. Really great stuff. I'm finding this conversation very intriguing. My next question to him about this theme is, unlike the men's movement generally, you advocate a classical model of masculinity and the cultivation of the hard and soft arts the masculine and the feminine. Can you get into a little bit more detail? Sure, yeah. So so beginning uh, an entranceway into that in a slightly strange way, of course, Um, uh, there's a a great uh, marketing guru in England called Rory Sutherland. Uh, He's pointed out something very intriguing and he he notes that um, that, rational thinking, which we kind of um, fetishize today, uh, rational thinking, has really very severe limits. And I would say that 99% of our time, we're not thinking rationally. We're, we are attracted to the non-rational. I was about to say something like that. <laughs> yeah, but we have this sort of fetishistic idea about rational thinking. Now, I believe in science, you know, although you know these people never do any scientific experiments. So, I will yeah. say this about rational thinking. Humans can rationalize to no That's end. Right. We can rationalize right. anything, no matter how yeah. wrong, no matter how much we doubt it. Uh, we'll yeah. double down, we'll triple down on how we should rationalize yeah. it. We are the rational rationalization kings That's, of perhaps the universe. It. Yeah, and that's why it's actually really worth looking at someone like Rory for Sutherland, because marketers know that we don't we don't buy into things rationally we have an emotional response to things and then we rationalize it after we see an advertisement for soda and we say oh look at those smiling attractive people drinking that soda i want to be one of those people in the back of our mind and then we find reasons why drinking this drink which is bad for us is a good idea but uh, he, he points out that um uh, if you look at army generals, we would think that an army general, these sort of dour individuals, all these medals who never crack a smile, would be very rational thinking. But he points out that they actually have to think more like artists and they have to think non-rationally. Because if you think rationally in war, your enemy will always know what you're going to do. So you can, cannot think rationally. So the, the army general or the, the war leader uh, actually has to think a lot more like an artist. Uh, than than even most people in society, and then, you, and then it kind of makes sense, really, of why why these warriors like uh, Miyamoto Masashi or Egil Skala Grimson uh, would be practicing poetry or calligraphy, or you know, you think of uh, uh, the Crusaders who were big on poetry. That was a big part of Christian chivalry. Um, uh, Richard the Lionheart, who you know is renowned for his bravery in battle, is also supposed to have uh, uh, had a great influence, in, uh, interest in music. And there's actually an anecdote about Richard the Lionheart, which may or may not be true, but it's uh, said about him that when he was uh, battling um, the, the Muslim armies, he asked uh, 
the brothers of Saladin if they could send over some uh, musicians so he could hear their music. And apparently he's supposed to have loved what he heard. And so you kind of think, I couldn't imagine that happening today, but this is this is the ideal of the warrior, right? That you, okay, we are enemies, but we um, there's no hatred. Uh, we have an objective, but I can still appreciate your culture and I can still want to learn about it and uh, even absorb some of it. And that's what cultures do. But but uh, but on a personal level, you know, you find the sort of higher ideal of the warrior is someone who cultivates not only the physical uh, aspects, you know, being a warrior, being able to fight, going into battle, um, strengthening the body, but also, of course, um, you know, learning these softer arts, co uh, calligraphy, poetry, uh, philosophy, uh, and cultivating some kind of spiritual uh, practice as well, meditation, reflecting on mortality, reflecting on what might be beyond the grave, and so on. And so, when, I, when I created Proficio, which is an automated virtual coaching program, it had to be effective because if it wasn't effective, it would be useless, worthless. But it, that effectiveness is built on structure and helping people get away from our irrational nature. We get distracted, we get negative, yeah. we quit, other we fall to other pressures. We, you know, so that these are all rational things because if you know yeah. if we really want to accomplish something, then we strive to do it. And then what happens is these things that I described get in our way, and before you know it, you, 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 it's over. You don't even you're not even thinking about it anymore, and so it yeah. gets them back on the path, you know. And so structure is a ne very necessary thing. Martial yeah, arts, and yeah. you, you deal with archetypes; those are structural. Yeah, so I, right. I, I love structure, and that's actually one of my yeah. fortes. You know, organization, <laughs> structure, mm -hmm. roles. That, yeah, I love that. I'm all about that. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. Now, so we're talking about men and, and and masculine archetypes. Does this apply to women? What can women get out of this? Yeah, yeah, good question. So I, you know, I personally, and this is probably another area where I diverge from the men's movement, which from what I've seen, again, it's, you know, I have a limited um, uh, experience with that or uh, appreciation for that. But, um, you know, from what I've seen, it tends to be more like, okay, here's the man's role and here's the woman's role and the woman will be nurturing and look after children. All of that, it's it's perfectly good. But um, uh, my own um, perception is that men and women should basically be able to do the same things, but maybe the proportion will be different. So if you think about working out, well, you really want uh, your men and women to be physically fit and strong, but obviously... Uh, sure, there are guys who are into super muscular women or women that want to be super muscular, but 99% of the time plus uh, men are going to want to be more muscular than, than women want to be. Right. So that's just it's the same thing, but it's a different proportion. Uh, same with, you know, cooking food, you know, men should be able to cook food as well. As well. You know, it's a basic skill. Um, so I don't I don't have this major uh, division between men and women in that sense you know i think men and women should be able to do basically the same thing but different proportion but uh you know so so the book they, actually they ha we have different strengths and weaknesses and abilities yeah. but we definitely yeah. should have equality yeah yeah and, and also as well you know if um you, what you wouldn't want of course is uh you wouldn't want to have let's say a family and then the mother or father dies and now there's this huge gap of course you don't want the 
one parent to be able to take on the roles of both, but you do want to have like basic survival skills. Like what if um, what if the, the guy who's very physically strong is away and it's just the, the woman there, you don't want her to be defenseless. She should be able to be able to defend herself as well to, you know, have some ability there. But then I'm sure as a martial artist, you've, you've practiced and trained with uh, different women as well. So yes. yeah, it's perfectly capable. So the, so the book itself is not, um, it, much of it would apply to women as well. There are just a few things that would maybe seem uh, a little strange to women about sex and stuff like that. But, uh, but you know, the idea of, um, of, you know, going into the unknown of developing yourself, of facing challenges, um, you know, certainly whether we like it or not, or whether women like it or not, that's also a part of our women's lives today as well. So, um, you know, we all have to develop ourselves and face our fears and try to be the best we can be in these different areas. And I would say develop ourselves as whole human beings. So. Now, this is something that both men and women are interested in. Uh, uh, career success, business success, yeah. financial security, does your your content, your work, get into that at all? Is it applicable in that air, in that arena? Um, it's definitely not the major focus. Uh, I do I do have one chapter on um, overcoming obstacles, and I look at how different uh, uh, innovators and mavericks often have these struggles that they go through in their childhoods. Uh, I think of Nikola Tesla; he almost died as a child, uh, and it was only because he was able to convince his father that if he lived. Uh, would his father allow him to you know study science that he was able to go into that and you find this quite a lot actually that where where you have innovators they are almost always have a, a terrible childhood or something horrible that happens to them in childhood like sickness or disease um the you know the the artist monk uh, who painted the the painting the scream among others uh, he he lost his father he's not he lost his uh, mother and his sister in his childhood and suffered from depression from all his life. But uh, when he would speak about it, he would say it was this depression and these horrible things that had happened. Without it, he would be rudderless. So it gave him a kind of orientation in life, and he was able to become this great artist. And to give a, a female um, uh, example, uh, Frida Kahlo, um, she she originally wanted to be a doctor, and then she had this horrible uh, accident where she was on a school bus, and uh, she was there was a, a car went into the bus, she was thrown from the bus and paled on a spike through her hips and covered in gold glitter or gold paint, depending on what who you read. But with this really bizarre accident, really it's sort of theatrical and bizarre, but really traumatic, you know, messed her spine up. She was in bed for, uh, I think, a couple of years, all in all. And it was only at that time that she started to begin painting. She had no uh, no interest in it before that. And her father made her an easel so she was able to paint lying down in bed uh, so it's only because of these horrible things that you get these people who are you know geniuses and innovators later on and um, you know everybody wants today to have these sort of uh, very protected upbringings and I must be protected from words I don't like and, <laughs> I and it's like it's but you can do that, but you're not going to get anywhere in life. Or you know, sure, you can manipulate the system and get you know a good management position, and maybe you'll be paid well. But you will never be who you could be. Absolutely, that's in gone. My, in my mind, triggers are something to overcome, not avoid. Yeah, that's right, for sure. <laughs> they got it backwards. I mean, there's there's some backwards stuff going on. Yeah. There. 
Definitely. And, you know, those those triggers and that upset and those terrible things that happen to you, no one, I wouldn't wish them on anyone, but that's also the, the source of someone's power when you can embrace that and overcome it. Totally. Great stuff. Yeah. Let's take a quick moment here from our sponsor and we'll be right back with Angel Malar. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. When Ben Franklin arrived in Philadelphia, all he had was 10 cents in his pocket. Despite this, he became America's first self-made man. Visit www.perficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O to actually have the knowledge and principles of Ben Franklin transferred into yourself. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza. We're talking with Angel Millar about archetypes and fascinating stuff about masculinity, femininity, and these things, how they come from the past, for the most part, but they're so applicable today. Is that an accurate summation, Angel? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, there are things that should be left in the past, but this idea of developing ourselves in in this holistic sense is very relevant today. And I would say it's even more relevant than in uh, than in the recent past, because I think as we go forward in the 21st century, uh, we're going to need to be more generalists and more adaptable, uh, more understanding of how things are going to rapidly change as well. So being a, a generalist, developing yourself as a whole is going to be an advantage, you know couple of decades totally we must be flexible but we must be able to deal with various situations especially when we our resources are needed a lot of times we can deal with something but we're just not able to access our own resources that we have but that that access is critical yeah so let me ask you about your previous book in that you focused on the three archetypal vocations of craftsman warrior and magician why yeah. and why are they important today? Yeah, good question. And um, some people that haven't read my book, uh, you may know what it's compared to: uh, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. And um, it's a totally, totally, totally different book. I would say um, it's really night and day. But the the reason I focused on those three archetypal vocations or three archetypes and not you know, others, because there are all these other ideas about. Uh, groups of archetypes, uh, but it is simply that if you look back at uh, um, ancient cultures, um, they are all pretty much structured along the lines of uh, the warrior, the craftsman, and the, the magician, meaning the priest or the elder who can sort of guide society, and then everything else really comes out after comes after that. So that's really the foundational um, uh, structure of ancient societies. But it's also, I would say, consequently, the sort of foundational structure of the human psyche as well. Uh, so, you know, the warrior, the building up the body, strength, health, being able to defend yourself, having some kind of ability to be positively aggressive to go after what you want. Uh, you know, the craftsman having some kind of skill and the ma- magician understanding, uh, well, having understanding, uh, having knowledge, having a wisdom. Uh, understanding how people work so in a sense it's also the archetypal uh, mind as well so in different circumstances you draw on on the strengths of different archetypes 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, unconsciously, no doubt. But yeah, you you, you kind of want to have those elements, you know, the skill, some kind of, and I would say today, especially having a skill with your hands is a is a good thing because we're becoming too uh, too absorbed in the world of uh, of social media and having these filters that make us look different, and we're kind of forgetting about reality itself. So having some kind of practical skills, you know, uh, whether that's uh, writing or painting, or even if it's just cooking your own food, but having something that you can physically do is a, is a, is a plus. It's a way of really grounding yourself and uh, giving yourself some sort of mental space. Um, but, uh, but, you know, the, the warrior, you definitely want to have physical strength, be able to defend ourselves. And the magician, this understanding of, uh, of how the world works. And, and uh, this may be controversial, but I would say that we're living in a time that is more and more one of magic in a quite negative sense. A lot of sort of ancient, um, ancient sort of magical things are returning in a strange ways. So, for example, uh, if you look at uh, ancient tribal cultures, the, 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 the magician or the sorcerer who would interact with, uh, uh, with spirits, uh, and communicate with the deities. Uh, those figures were very often um, uh, what we would call transgender today. So you would have a man that dresses as a woman. And, you, and that may seem strange, but of course it's the idea from a tribal or so ancient perspective that gender is in everything. So gender is in the trees, it's in the rocks. And it's unlike today, it's, it's not a social construct, it's a real thing. So if you have a person who's both it's male holistic. and female, yeah, that's right. And, and being both male and female, the shaman was, in a sense, uh, reflecting nature. In the one sense, transgressing against it, but on the other hand, embodying it. So mm -hmm. that's the kind of figure who would be able to communicate with spirits or deities because he sort of elevated himself or put himself in this other world that's sort of above the ordinary and it's closer to these sort of um, sort of metaphysical figures but um but you know that we see this uh, transgenderism is very uh, coming back and um you're not just in the sort of cultural way but more especially in a political sense and the idea of language language is is essential to magic so a lot of uh, well all, really all so sorcery and magic is is tied to language and the words you use and you can use words to affect things with spells etc but uh, you know today there we have the idea that well, everything is in a sense is just language and if i use different words i am those different things and, and the only thing that is really real is the language i use to describe things so all this kind of magic is coming back and so um you know not only do we need to be able to be people who can think and think through things and contemplate and have knowledge and wisdom but uh, we also it's a good idea to have an appreciation of these ancient things which are coming back in sort of uh postmodern ways and how yeah. to so navigate them it could seem revolutionary but it, it, it's really more probably cyclical it's cyclic it's yeah. coming back but i think that I, th I i'm for revolution though i'm a personal development revolution i i yeah. need to strive to be my better self all the time all the time and yeah, using definitely. archetypes, using martial arts and whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things available, but I think holistic way is the way to go because yeah. you, know, you know, as you know, I'm a practitioner of neuro linguistic programming. I was a personal right. development coach. You know, you help people, but basically you use metaphors and I in, in words mm -hmm. so that people can understand them and make changes yeah. with those understandings. But really 
people, we are we are holistic. We are a, a, a whole person. This, you know, it to 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 divide that and see what the components are is not re can't really be done. It's only can be understood in language so that you, a person yeah. can make those changes themselves. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so, that's right. And and you know, language of course it has this very negative uh, way of being used today. Where you know, I say I'm this so therefore i am even if i'm not and you have to accept it but of course language is also it is obviously it's essential to the way we think and it is essential to our own self-conception right so emil kue you know that mantra and every day in every way i'm getting better and better and it was one of the first people to really notice that what you said to yourself had an effect on what you became through your own molding your own self-image so yeah for sure yeah. I'm very careful about my self-instruction. I'm right. very cognizant. I'm always, I often correct myself, retract something, cancel, cancel. Yeah. You know, I'm trying, <laughs> yeah, I'm striving for that. Man. So yeah. how individually can we get on the path to becoming our true self? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. And of course, it will uh, differ for everyone. But I would say uh, uh, we, we really want to develop ourselves mentally, physically, and uh, spiritually, or if you're not spiritual, sort of intellectually, culturally, uh, we might say. And, uh, you know, things, things work together. I was, you know, working with someone who was uh, uh, been unemployed for a long time. And one of the problems that he was having was that he was waking up at nine and starting the day at 10. Of course, we all know what that means. That means it's two hours to lunch. Now it's after lunch. So I'll wait till tomorrow. And so, you know, waking up early and beginning some practices. So for example, in, in the morning, I wake up very early. Uh, I wake up normally around 5.30 or before. Uh, I usually write for a couple of hours and uh, I also meditate as well. So the, the first thing I do in the day is already I'm getting down to work, but also meditating, focusing on uh, my spiritual development. So that's the, the magician and the, the craftsman. And, you know, uh, at least a few times a week, I'm trying to work out as well, at least uh, if nothing else, uh, trying to bring in the warrior as well. But yeah, if you can, you know, the easiest way is to just focus on what you want to do and try and draw in other things as you you start using this energy rather than just do, daydreaming about it and then thinking about how can I bring in these other aspects, the, the mental, physical and spiritual. So energy is a critical, critical part. It's, it's definitely a critical part because, um, you, you know, when people start to let one thing go, often they start, everything else starts to go as well. You get out of the routine, you say, you know what, I'm not going to work out this week. And then you say, well, you know, I, I won't work on my project this week. And maybe I'll just let my diet go for a few days and, you know, I don't need to read a book today. And then it all kind of goes. So, yeah, if you can focus this energy on one thing, it's easier to draw in other things. And of course, you'll see all kinds of connections as you do it. So it'll be really easy after a while. Definitely. I mean, uh, energy, I, there are all kinds of practitioners using energy. There's all different kinds of energy. Energy is, is yeah. and we are energy. So it's a damn useful right. thing to, to, yeah. to deal with, to apply great stuff. Let's take yeah. a, a, a final moment uh, for our last commercial break and we'll come back with the last segment with Angel Millar. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. What if you could get the results of being coached without a human coach? What if a computer could coach you? 
visit www.perficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where you can get coached without scrutiny, judgment, or pressure. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza. We're talking with Angel Millar. We just finished up with energy, and now we're getting to the final question for Angel. Angel, how can one live boldly and be true to our, to our own nature in this time of deep uncertainty? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's probably not easy for many people, but I think- uh, Big one. You, yeah, you know, one, one thing that we can do that's actually pretty easy, although it takes a little bit of commitment, is that, um, you know, we try not to get our sources of news or information or worldview from, from one source. You know, you don't really just want to um, tune into your favorite uh, news station and get your worldview from there, because whether it's on the left or the right, uh, definitely you're not being told all the information. Information is being selectively missed out. And um, it's sometimes called propaganda. <laughs> yes, that would be another way of putting it for sure. And we are bombarded by this propaganda. And it's, in a sense, it's necessary for media companies today because they need to keep us afraid and clicking back mm. so that they they can appeal to advertisers. And you you don't you can't get people clicking back if um, you're presenting a rational argument. Okay, here's what this group says. This is what this other group says. Here's the history. That it, it's not going to work. So you have to get people uh, afraid and heated up and um, you know anxious and angry and then you, they will uh, keep clicking back and spreading your propaganda but uh, you know to live boldly we have to check out of that you know so many people in our their lives are consumed by politics and and even though they may seem you know I've met people that seem perfectly normal I've known them and then you get them onto the subject of politics or they get onto it and uh, and they you see that they're transforming into a crazy person and uh, it's such a waste of energy it's really that energy is being drawn out of us and people who get involved in this stuff they can't do anything else in their own lives and their own lives start to fall apart so i think it's you know necessary that we take a step back from all of this media and propaganda and social media if you if you're constantly looking on you know the left or the right, take a look at what the other side is saying and contemplate, is this true? Have an open mind, not so that you can swap sides, but so that you can take a step back and rest. I'm probably not getting all the information from either. And uh, if, if I'm really that passionate about a subject, read a, a book on it or read five books on it and then get on with your own life and focus more on you and what you can do. Uh, you're not going to change the world by looking at uh, the media or following a political party. Uh, you're just not. Uh, if you want to change the world, you need to change yourself and then set an example, and that's actually going to be much more effective. What but, about the, uh, yeah. what about these dangers of social codes, like political correctness and canceling? Yeah. What about dealing with those things, things like that? Yeah, it's tr it's uh, it's definitely tricky. Obviously, people don't want to be um, you know don't want to be cancelled or have any sort of threats made against them or be humiliated in public. Um, I think, again, partly it's, uh, you know, you should just check out of, of that. I know that people are very worried about, um, uh, you know, their speech being restricted, um, which is a real concern. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, people who set a good example of how to live 
are going to be more appealing than people that are on social media screaming and being hateful. Uh, they're only going to be talking to themselves eventually, and most people don't really like them. Um, but if you embody, yeah, if you embody what you what other people can be, then you're going to be in, instantly more attractive, and you'll have more sway over people eventually. And, and what the people on social media will discover is that you can restrict speech, and you can say you can't say those words. But the the funny thing is, the more restricted that speech gets the less you need to say to, to show your, your dissent from that, from that hegemonic worldview. And so in the end, you can never really stifle free speech unless you have like, you know, shooting of people, which you know, has happened in some countries and it could, it could happen, I suppose. But um, other than that, um, it, it just gets easier and easier to show your dissent or even by not going along with it verbally then people can tell that, okay, this person doesn't believe the hype. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure you've been in conversations where someone will start talking to you about uh, politics or something in a way that you, okay, you know that they don't believe it, but they are comfortable with you because you're not spouting the sort of politically correct rhetoric yeah, and saying, yeah, and you're not hating on people so they know, okay, I'm safe to express an opinion here. And maybe they won't agree, but they won't denounce me. So you know. Uh, so, so. Um, but you I know, think uh, I think as as we start at the outset, living boldly, you know, if you're living with your according to your higher values, especially your higher values, yeah, you know, and you have and you have faith on in something, uh, you can you can continue. But you've got to be positive, and you yeah. you know you've got to be aspirational, and you know, being you know a, a cannon, a loose cannon, or a big mouth, that's not the way to go. It's got to be no, congruent. No what yeah. your message is, you know, it needs to be a positive one. Yeah, that's right. Getting involved in this stuff is not helpful, you know, to just focus on yourself. And definitely you, you mentioned faith, having some kind of, uh, some kind of faith is, uh, is a good thing, not necessarily, you know, every religion, but having some kind of belief in a higher power where you don't have to answer to these other people, because uh, there's something that is truth, not my truth or you, your truth, but truth. Uh, that would empower you to act. And, you know, there is, a, I'm not a Christian, but there is, you know, that, that uh, biblical statement, uh, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we, we today think, oh, that's terribly oppressive and all monsters. But, um, but of course, it depends on your circumstance, right? You as a former Marine will know fear of the Lord might just get you through that battle because then you don't have to fear your enemy. That's the point. Obviously, if you're sitting on your couch munching Cheetos every night, then the prayer of the Lord is oppressive. But, but this belief in something else and that, that I have to answer to something else or I might have to when I die is, you know, can help sweep all this nonsense away. Because who are these people in compared to the, the Lord or whatever it might be, you know? So, you know, having that faith as well, whether it's in a formal religious sense or not, is, could be very empowering for sure. Angel, that is an excellent ending. This has been a wonderful conversation. Do you have any final remarks for the audience? Um, well, you can check out my books on all of the usual places or check out my website, angelmillar.com. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's what it, that's what an A people, not an E. That's what an A yeah. or the R at the end. So look for that. Get, get that right. Very good. This has been great stuff. I love. I more Thank and you. more. I'm finding 
that the old, you know, I, I like, I mean, you know, like I said, NLP, I like this yeah. modern stuff. I used to make fun of new ages up until I realized I was one of them. <laughs> so I love this, <laughs> the modern stuff, right? And the new thought, yeah. but more and more I'm going to the ancients, the old philosophers yeah. more and more. And so what you said really speaks to me, really resonates. And I think a lot more of the people are catching on. And I know they are. Yeah. I know that yeah. the, the, there's greater interest and, in, and, and following of the ancient philosophers and stuff like the, what you're about archetypes, I, I think yeah. is going to become bigger and more popular because it's probably really effective. And I tell you, just looking at you, yeah. your demeanor, you're very calm. You're very deliberate. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's uh, you're, you, you breed confidence. <laughs> so, great, so, thank you. <laughs> so it's yeah, great sure. stuff. And, and it's great. been a really great discussion. Uh, Likewise. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, Angel. Thank and you. I, I want, um, Everyone to remember that we're all responsible for ourselves and we can all use a little help. And with that, thank you, Angel Millar, and we'll see you on the next Self-Help Coaching Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. Remember to visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Self-Help Coaching Podcast.